Good morning. Morning. Oh, I could hear that, so I'm on for sure. Uh, Good evening. Uh, oh yeah. Hey, guess what? It's 2020. Morning and evening don't matter anymore. Uh, Originally, when I walked up here, I was like, you know what, I'm going to say good morning and see how many of them I can confuse, but it ended up confusing me, so that's how things work out sometimes. Uh, the last time I spoke up here on a Thursday, which was the first one we did, uh, the first thing someone said to me afterwards was, that's the shortest I've ever heard you preach, which I am going to take as a challenge tonight. Uh, now, as to which way I'm taking that challenge, I guess we'll see later. But... Uh, this year, I made fun of 2020, but this year has been crazy, obviously, for all of us. And throughout this year, I've done a lot of thinking. I've made like an obstacle course up here for myself, but I've done a lot of thinking just about my life and about things that I've done, things that I, I want to do, just legacy type things. And then last week, I was in Chicago on vacation, and I went to a lot of different museums. Uh, and don't worry, it was all socially distanced, and, and everything was saved, 25% capacity. It was really cool. It was actually cheaper than it's ever been. And in like the history museum and the science museum, like legacy just kept coming back up into my head. And then Sean uh, mentioned, hey, you know, I'd like you to, to speak, or would you be interested in speaking again on Thursday? And early in this week, and Sean mentioned it's like the busiest week ever. Last week I was on vacation, this week I decided to do the opposite of that apparently. And so Monday and Tuesday each day I had a different funeral to do. And obviously during the course of those, like legacy again kept coming up and the first one, uh, I, it's never easy, even when you don't know the person, but it was a, a person who had lived a full, long life and, and had lost his wife and was going home to be with her. He'd been in the church his whole life. Uh, you know, he, he, had, he left behind a strong legacy. But then the second day, it was a young guy who had died uh, in tragic circumstances and left behind two little girls. And, and so it's, it's each end of that spectrum, and you just can't help but think about it. And then yesterday, uh, you may not know this because I'm very private about her, but I have a niece named Beatrice, and yesterday I went to go see her. Tim actually got to meet her on my Zoom meeting with him, uh, and so she's now a member of the church, but no, uh, and so with her, obviously, legacy came up because she's not yet to that, but you think about what you want to show your kids, you show your family, show other people, and so just the more I prayed about it and the more I thought about it, there's so many different things in the Bible that you can go from there. So many different characters, so many different people. But one scripture keeps coming back. And this is my absolute favorite passage in the entire Bible. So I'm going to, to read it in two parts. Uh, this is from Matthew 22, 34 through 40. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees with his reply, they met together to question him again. One of them, an expert in religious law, tried to trap him with this question. Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? So the key in that half is tried to trap him. Uh, the Pharisees basically followed Jesus around like, like someone following around a, a, a musical act, like going concert to concert. They would follow him around, but they weren't there to cheer. They were there to try to trap him. And they would have people planted in the crowd, or they themselves would, would be there just asking questions that they hoped he couldn't answer, that they hoped could trick him, that they hoped could make him look foolish or look wrong or even uh, look evil is what they hoped because he was taking from how they saw it, he was taking from their legacy because in their eyes, their legacy was, hey, people have to come to me to, in order to, to be right in the church. Like they have to be like me. They want to talk to me. I have the power. And that's how they, they lived. And they, they wore really clean robes and, and, and had the scripture on their arms and they did all of the things that they were supposed to do but nothing more. 
And so they wanted people to be like them. They wanted people to follow that. And then Jesus came and he's like, hey, it's about the relationship. It's about loving everybody. And yet Gentiles, you can come in too. And everybody, God is for everyone if you ask for forgiveness and you love. And that takes away from the power of the Pharisees. And so they tried to trap him. Sometimes, unfortunately, in our lives, we're more like them. Uh, we're more interested in being right than we are in, in showing grace. We're more interested in having the right answer, the quick answer, than we are in helping people to see Jesus, helping people to come to him. And, and that stinks. It really stinks. And we see that, especially in the political season, because everything gets politicized and goes one side or the other. And, and you know, there's no nuance and it's right or wrong, evil or good and all of this stuff. And everybody feels the same way or everybody feels the opposite way. And it very much becomes, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask them this question. And then when they get this wrong, I'm going to jump on it. Now, Jesus, though, never thought like that. If he asked somebody a question and they got it wrong, he wasn't like, yeah, you're so stupid. Peter, you're such an idiot. Now, he called Peter Satan. And so, you know, then there. But he's, if, if, if he asked a question and the person got it wrong. Now, he didn't whitewash it either. He wasn't like, that's okay. Just go think what you want. But he would say, no, listen. I will tell you the truth. I will live the truth and I will show you grace. I will show you love. I will give you a chance for forgiveness. I will give you a chance for redemption. A little, uh, in John, other John 3.16, a little past Matthew, uh, he talks to, to Nicodemus and he's talking to a Pharisee. And instead of saying, you guys follow me around, you don't deserve to talk to me, you don't get to hear this, Nicodemus asks him questions and Jesus answers him. He answers him with love. He's not trying to trap him. And yet, as Christians, sometimes we get tricked into living our lives in that trap mentality of, okay, the best way to show somebody how to be a Christian is make them feel stupid and make them feel that their entire life is a waste and wrong and that I'm the only way to live and that I'm the best, which is exactly how the Pharisees felt. And we all get caught up in that. And then with this question, they're hoping and they're like, oh yeah, there's no way to answer this right. There's no way. He's going to pick a commandment and then we're going to jump up and we're going to say, hey, what are you saying about the other ones? Why, why don't you care about the rest of the law of Moses? Why don't you care about everything else? Are you saying that, that not murdering is really more important than honoring your parents? Like all of these different things. Or if he refuses to choose, we'll jump up and say, yeah, he doesn't even know the scripture well enough to choose. This is the guy you're following. And they're waiting. You can almost picture them in like a Mr. Burns from the Simpsons type uh, excellent thing. And they're like, yeah, we got him. Ebenezer Scrooge, maybe for this audience. Uh, and let's like... <sighs> It's like, yeah, we got him. We got him. We got him. He's going. And then here we go with Jesus' answer. Jesus replied, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbors as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. If he had been like them, he would have dropped the mic and said, I got you. But he didn't. He did not say that to trick them. He did not say that to make them look stupid. He said that because even in their hurry to trap him, he was like, I'm going to preach to them. I'm going to give them the truth. This is what all of those laws are about. Love God completely, fully, wholly with everything that you have. You can't question that. Nobody can question that. And if you look through the Ten Commandments or you look through all of the Old Testament laws, so many are like, if you love God, well, then you honor God. You don't have another God before you. If you love God, then you don't use his name in vain. If you love God, then you honor the Sabbath, like all of these different things. And so they're like, ah, man, they're thinking, they're like, okay, how can we get in on this? Because that was kind of tricky and that was kind of shaky. But then he goes, and then love others. Love everyone else. And 
before I go on with that point, which is the hardest one for most of us at times, all of us at times, he used the Greek word for love, agape, for both. Agape means unconditional love. It is the highest form of the love. It's unconditional. And he said, agape God, love him unconditionally, and agape everybody else. Now, the Pharisees probably wanted to quibble with that. They're like, wait, you can't put them on the same level. And that's not what he's doing. But he puts love on the same level. Because God is love. And so in looking at the love others part, you see, well, if you love others, you don't want to steal from them. You don't want to covet them. You don't want to murder them. You might want to, but you don't murder them. And so he goes right at them, but not in a vicious, angry way, in a truthful, graceful way. Even then, even people that are just, their only goal is to try to trap him. He's telling them the answer to get to heaven. He's telling them the answer to be better. And that is legacy. To love God and love others is legacy. And that's what I've hoped my entire life. Now, I want to publish more books. And I want to write more. And I want to do all of these different things. But I hope that when somebody stands before my casket someday, they're able to say, well, he did his best to love God, love others. Uh, I mentioned Pastor Tim earlier. When, when he got my resume back a little over a year ago now, he can tell you this. He can back me up. On the page where you talk, I talk about my ministry style, it's just a list of love God, love others, and how that fits in, how everything fits into that, because that's important to me. Uh, in Seymour, where I originated, um, it, I, used, I would say that and speak it so much that I had kids, uh, some would, would kind of equate the quote to me. I'm like, no, 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 it's not me. Thank you. But no, it's Jesus. Because that is Christianity. That is our legacy. And I'm not saying, you know, no longer think about, uh, no longer think about your job or no longer think about uh, giving, no longer think about helping. No, do those things because those all go into it. Everything goes into those four words. Love God, love others. And that's what I want Beatrice to learn as she grows up. And it's so cool to watch this little girl who, who just like last year was this lump that you just held and she made noises and smells, but that was about it. And this year she runs around and she's funny. At least in her mind, she's mostly funny, but all of us are kind of funny in our own mind. And she, she's got this light. And yesterday while I was there, she has this awful video. Uh, Rachel and the Tree Schoolers, I believe is what it's called. If you're a parent and you know that, I'm sorry. But it's sign language, which is good. And it's like all of these songs. And I could actually stand here and sing most of them to you uh, just in the times that I've seen her. And one of them is about birds and animals. And she runs over to the bird they have in the house and points when they're singing it. And you can see the light click and her think. And that is because of the love her mom is showing her. It's because of the love that, that God showed them to put them together. It's because of the love he has for us. To love God, love others is the ultimate legacy, the greatest legacy, the most important thing we could ever do. Our world is confusing. And this time especially is confusing. As I said, there's political strife and disagreements everywhere you turn on everything. Things that you wouldn't think are a political issue are now political issues. And people hate Christians and Christians hate people. And, and that second half should never be something that I can say. But unfortunately, sometimes it is. And it's so hard to watch that. And I'm sure you guys feel the same. It's so hard to watch as the world kind of devolves into us against them and them against them and everybody just angry all the time. And so for us, it's very confusing. Like, how can we actually make a difference? Because nobody's listening to me. 
nobody, I, I've told the truth, or I've answered, or I've taught Sunday school, or I've, I've preached, or, or I, I've led choir, or I've sang, or I've, I've done this and that and that, and they're not listening. Yeah, I get it. Believe me, I get that. And it hurts, and it stinks, and it sometimes tempts us to then up the ante, so to speak. And to go a little more towards the Pharisee's route, and like, I'm going to double down, and I'm just going to be so angry. And I'm going to say, if you don't listen to me now, I'm never going to talk to you again. Can you imagine Jesus saying something like that, though? Can you imagine Jesus saying, because you're not open to me right now, never giving you another chance. You can't imagine it because he wouldn't do that. Even with the Pharisees. And as for like people don't listen, if you look at, at Jesus' time on earth, just the, the years that he was in ministry, he had 12 disciples. One of them, very famously, did not listen to him. And so if not everybody would listen to the Savior, if not everybody would listen to Jesus, if not everybody would take the word straight from the source, then what chance do we have of everybody listening? And the answer there is obviously none. But it's not about a 100% success rate. And that's hard for me to say because I'm very competitive and I really wanted all A's my whole life. I've asked Tim over and over again to grade me, but then I was like, no, I take that back. And so you, we all want complete. But we're not going to get it. However, God's timetable is vastly different from ours. And so there have been people in my life that I've not written off, but been like, man, I tried, and I really hope, and I pray for them. And then years and years later, I'll get a message, or I'll get a call, or I'll get a text, and they're like, hey, I get it now. And it wasn't because of what I said necessarily, and I planted a seed, but somewhere down the line, someone else said something, or something else clicked in. And it's like, wow. Because it's not about whether we have the right answers. It's about whether or not we show Jesus at all times. Because one of the things I say to the teens a lot, and to adults, in this world, you, me, all of us here, may be the only example of Jesus someone sees in a lifetime. That's important. Now that can put a lot of pressure on you and I don't want to do that. But it's also important, it means that we have to live legit. We have to look at love God, love others, and we have to look at our lives and be like, what's my legacy? Is my legacy being right all the time? Is my legacy being a Pharisee? Is my legacy, you know, giving the most money? Now keep doing that. Is my legacy perfect attendance? Again, keep doing that. Or is my legacy showing such amazing love and grace, showing who Jesus is all the time, and then trying to do that? And you can have great success that way. I think of someone like Billy Graham, who is just an amazing example of everything. He had to the point of success that he could have been Pharisee-ish and be like, yeah, I'm done. Like, you listen to me once, then you're gone. I'm going to charge this much, blah, blah, blah. But up until his death, up until his death, he continued to love others, continued to love God, continued to speak, continued to preach, continued to be there. I remember the last year he was alive, he put out a video uh, with different uh, musicians and speakers of, of the younger generation. I remember Lecrae was a rapper that I liked. And, and people that Billy Graham, you never would associate with him, but he did it because he knew the message was that important. And the love was that important. And the legacy is that important. And when I say Billy Graham, regardless of the age group, I mean, Beatrice doesn't get it yet, but most of the rest of us, we think, oh, 
godly man. Because he built that legacy. Because he allowed God to speak through him. We, I, always, I can tell you, this isn't a spoiler alert, his success rate is not 100%. And he'd be the first to tell you that. And yet, he kept going because Jesus kept going. And we keep going because Jesus keeps going. Sean, the last time I spoke, he made the comment that he can't say things right. And, and then he said something that I pulled out and I really liked. And he did the same thing this week. And it's not that I'm just sitting there waiting to prove Sean wrong and have like a notepad to write down everything he says. I have bugs on him for that. But he said during the prayer, we don't know the circumstances of the people next to us. When you meet the person at the store who's being a tremendous jerk and cutting in front of you and saying bad things, I'm not saying to excuse that behavior, but we don't know their circumstances. We don't know what happened in their life. We don't know what they've seen. We don't know how they've been treated. We don't know who they are. The people that, that are next to you right now, a lot of spouses together, so you get that, but we don't know the circumstances. We don't know what anybody else is going through. We don't know how people feel, how people are treated. And we can't know that. And so what do we do? Well, we treat them better. Obviously, Matthew seven twelve is treat others as you would want to be treated. And I like to take it a step further. Treat others as Jesus would treat them. Love others as Jesus would love them. Love God completely and in loving God show that love for others show that hope that he gives us show that desire we are here not just because it's nice outside not just because we put together a good service not just because it's it's nice to be together again we're here because God loves us and we love him and so we must take that as the church the capital C church out into the world and love others in that same way that's why we are here, not for numbers, not to look good, but to love others completely. I have on my shirt uh, Gizmo from the Gremlins, which is an 80s movie, the 80s movie, and it's a Christmas movie. And in this movie, I'm not going to go through it all, but basically if you pour water on Gizmo, he pops off a bunch of other little Gizmos like him, which are cute, but mischievous much like children. Now, if he eats after midnight, then he turns into a monster and blah, blah, blah. I'm not going to keep going with that. My point is, everyone we meet, I'm going to work for this, so just bear with me. Everyone we meet, we are pouring the water of our love or anger on them. And we can help them find their way to be like little gizmos. Or we can push them towards the monstrous side by being jerks to them. By being right. It's not a rhetorical question. We know what the right choice is there. And I realized that it was a stilted metaphor. But it's true. Everyone you meet needs to feel God's love, even if they're the greatest Christian in the world, needs to feel God's love, and it's on us to live that legacy out. That is why we are here, and that is who we are. That's all I got.